0: You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello, and welcome again, hopefully, to the Keep Optimizing Podcast. If you are looking to improve the performance and return of your marketing, then you are in the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it is very cool to have you tuning in to our fourth episode. Now, because this show is brand new, I'm running a competition where you could win a Keep Optimizing Podcast t-shirt. Yes, yes, yes. A t-shirt with the name of this podcast and the logo on um, that we are giving away as part of the launch. And if you want to find out all about how to get your hands on one of those, then stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out all about it. In today's episode, I'm talking to Kate Barrett, All round email marketing genius, and we're going to be talking about email capture because this month we are all about email marketing. In today's episode, we explore the results of recent research Kate's conducted into what's working and what retailers are doing to increase their email list size. We get into where to ask for an email sign up, how to ask, and a little of what to send once you've got that sign up. We're just about to meet today's guest, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with email marketing expert, Kate Barrett. Kate spent the last 13 years working directly on e-commerce email marketing programs. Via her agency, eFocus Marketing, she provides email marketing consultancy, management, and training courses for hundreds of e-commerce businesses. And she's the author of Amazon bestseller Intelligence. Email marketing isn't dead. The way you're using it is. Hello, Kate. Hi, Chloe. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm really excited for your new podcast. Oh, thank you. I mean, I had to have you on because, well, one, because of what we're talking about, because you know a lot about it, which I know the listeners are going to love. But but also, you know, because, you know, you're a fellow fellow uh, British Amazon best-selling author. So, you know. <laughs> I've joined the club. Absolutely. It's a good club to be part of. <laughs> it certainly is. Well, look, how did you get into email marketing all those years ago?
1: Great question. And I, a lot of people that I speak to usually find that they just fall into email, you know, when they come out of university or what have you. I was slightly different. I fell into email whilst I was at university. So I did a a year's placement um, and actually worked for an email service provider, which is now Smart Focus. And I did about a year and a half with them in the end before I went back to uni to do my final year. And it was working with them that really ignited my love for email marketing and the power that's behind it. So once I came out of university, I knew what I wanted to do. And I was laser focused in going and finding an initial job that was managing CRM, email marketing. um, And it was a a real baptism of fire. So I started there, went broader um, and worked for a couple of direct client businesses, helping them with not just their email marketing, but their entire marketing strategy. But for me, I always kept hold of the, the email part. I had agencies and other team members that did the SEO and the social media and, you know, all of that fun stuff. But I always kept hold of the email. So about five and a half years ago, I decided that I didn't want to work client side anymore and wanted to set up my own business. So started freelancing for businesses and then moved into, um, you know, kind of growing my, my small agency to really help brands to Optimize what they're doing with their email marketing and use it more intelligently. So it's my passion. It's uh, you know what I think about day in day out, same as you, Chloe. And it's a great market to be part of, a great community, and uh, an exciting channel. You know, a lot of people don't think it is, but very exciting channel to be part of and see the results that you can get from it.
0: Yeah, it, it's so exciting and it, it's it's amazing. You know, having been. You know, like you, we've both been working on it for over 10 years, and there's still new stuff to do. There's still new things to test. But we could wax lyrical about that for hours, I think. <laughs> but what we're here to talk about is email signups, getting people onto your list. So, why yeah. should we be prioritizing that? It, it's the absolute
1: literal and figurative starting point for your entire email marketing program. It sets the tone for what people will expect from your program going forward, how they will then react to those emails that you're sending them, for the data that you collect on them, which leads your entire strategy. The data that you have on your audience is so important and that sign up step is the first part of that jigsaw of different types of data. So it's really, really important, and I think particularly now that we are coming through that kind of COVID nineteen horrible bubble that we've been in, coming out the other side, you know, and let's fingers crossed for for no more waves. But I think it's made us realise that the way that we do business traditionally. Has to change. You know, if things like this are going to happen, if people are going to move now to a more remote way of working, those face to face interactions are going to be limited, and we need to have a way to understand our customers and nurture them through the process. And email is the best channel to do that. So if you're not encouraging people when they come onto your website, when they have various touch points with you, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on, if you're not encouraging them to come onto your email list, that number one way for you to nurture and educate and build a relationship with those potential customers, and then those customers after they purchase, you're really missing a key element of your marketing strategy. And not just your marketing strategy, but your customer service strategy, your persona as a business, being able to properly communicate with people on an ongoing basis. So it's an absolutely critical part to get right. And I've seen a lot of people who haven't and could certainly make tweaks to that. So uh,
0: I know we're going to go through a lot of that today. Yeah, and we're going to, well, well, the reason I've got you on to talk about email signups is because you've recently co-authored a report called UK versus, or US versus UK retailers, the state of email signups. And it's got some pretty freaky stats in it about why, you know, because if you're listening, thinking, well, everyone does it, why are you talking about it? Oh, my God, they don't. There's still huge competitive advantage to be got by actually focusing in on on signups, isn't there?
1: Oh, massive. I always find it shocking, actually, how many brands we work with as a business who – don't have that initial phase covered so i was working with uh, one client who were only collecting email signups as part of the purchase process the account sign up and purchase process and when you do that you miss out that whole opportunity to nurture those prospects you're only then dealing with people who are customers so they've already made that first purchase and you're driving them through for the the retention part of your strategy but you're Missing the chance to boost your acquisition strategy as well. You know, you're spending all this time and money driving people to your website, most likely. Perhaps you've got PPC campaigns running, social media campaigns, you know, all of those other marketing channels driving to your website, driving to specific pieces of information. And the majority of those people will bounce off again without finding what they need, without making a purchase, because they're not ready to yet. They're not in that stage. So if we can, optimize how we collect our email signups by firstly offering an email signup and secondly optimizing its placement its design the data that you're collecting we can increase the effectiveness of all of your other marketing by using this additional channel to then drive them through to a conversion when they would otherwise have bounced off and perhaps not come back again it's so critical to get that step right so that you can build a basis going forward. And the report that I did alongside Kickbox really showed exactly as you said that there is still so much room for improvement, even in these parts of an email marketing strategy. You know, it, it may seem like basics to some people, and it almost is because without a sign up form, people can't sign up and, and come onto your email program. But it's an area that, Optimize the basics. There's still a lot of work to do there. And then there's amazing, fun, cool, funky stuff you can do after that to engage your audience, to get them buying from you, to get them to keep coming back. But you've got to get this right. So, yeah, there were some really shocking stats when we went through the report that I'm so pleased to be able to share with you today.
0: Yeah, see, one of the stats which just really, really amazed me was. But I mean, well, it did and it didn't because I know this has been the case for a while, but I thought people might have upgraded, you know, caught, caught the train and got on with it in the meantime since the last time I looked. But, but no, they haven't. Was that 14% of the sites you looked at? Mm-hmm. The only way to sign up to their email marketing mm-hmm. was to set up an account.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. mind blowing. I know. It's crazy. And what we found when we were looking at that is that it was likely to be businesses, I think there was a supermarket, for example, that did it where effectively what they want to do is drive you straight to that purchase process. But like I said, they've forgotten about that first point. How do you, when somebody is in the consideration stage of making a purchase process, and when they go through this purchase, it could take five seconds or it could take five years depending on what it is that that you're selling but when someone's going through that consideration process you have to be there to show them why you're better than competitors how you stand out and you don't obviously say oh you know we do this and they don't do that and slide them off and anything like that. But you've got to position yourself as a business. You've got to position yourself as to why you are the standout business and someone should be coming to buy from you rather than your competitor. And if somebody's visited your website as a, as a main, um, area of connection let's say there are lots of other touch points but your website is going to be one of your main areas to drive your email signups so if someone's come onto your website they're looking they're browsing they're thinking about buying they don't find what they need or they're not quite ready to make that decision yet for various reasons they're still looking around they're you know comparison and all of those different things get the email sign up really educate them nurture them you know i'm going to keep saying that throughout this it's it's so important to do so you've got to focus in on this and for those that are only collecting that account sign up they're missing that opportunity so think about sign up forms on your website primarily and how users come onto your website how they interact and what they need in terms of the type of sign-up form that you would use on each page. Because it is important to tailor that journey To the sign up. So, for example, somebody who is a new visitor to your website, and don't forget, you'll have Google Analytics or other analytics software that will tell you the percentage of new visitors versus returning visitors, how long they spend on a page, what that average bounce time is in which they leave, where they go. You'll have all of that information. So, go and have a look at that and think about if somebody's coming onto the homepage, they probably are mainly new customers because. People who aren't new customers might come in deeper because they're already on your email list, for example. So they're going in directly to product pages. People who are further down that search process will come in deeper on your, your long-tail keywords and things like that into product pages. Homepage is more of a browsing first case scenario. So what do those people need from you? What could you present to them at the point at which, if you're using a pop-up, for example, just before they're gonna go and leave your website, what's that time? How could you trigger it based on the action to go and close down your window? What's that message that they need to hear at that point to encourage them to sign up? How can you take them to that next step? If they're going deeper into product pages or different content pages that you have, A direct product page for example again using pop-ups you wouldn't want to have a time delayed pop-up or um uh, an on scroll pop-up that comes up after those actions because you don't want to disturb the purchase process they're far enough down that consideration route that they're thinking about purchasing so maybe there you want to have a an on exit pop-up so again when you mouse over to the x button that's the type of pop-up that you would put in. So think about the placement in terms of when you would trigger pop-ups. Think about placement in terms of where they are on that, that website. So on the home page, can you get some real estate above the fold, if we're still talking about above and below, but the top of your, your website where you can encourage people to sign up, in the navigation menu, a lot of people put it in their footer. Sidebars, if you've got sidebars on blogs, things like that. So. Look at how people interact, how they move through your website and where the best placement for that form is. Because the more you can get something relevant in front of people, the more you can get people to sign up and grow your database.
0: So, Kate, we should be having multiple options, multiple ways that people can join our list on our website. So you're saying that we're probably doing a footer. We might be doing a big homepage piece. Especially you know, if you're able to personalise that to whether it's a new or existing visitor. For new visitors, no brainer to put it above the fold on the homepage. And then clever use of pop-ups that maybe tailor their message throughout the site.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And whether or not you use all of those or two of those or five of those will depend on your website, what your aims are, how your visitors are are interacting. But what I found shocking from the report is that only eleven percent of retailers had two ways to sign up on their website, and 1% had three ways. So, if that's 12% had two or three ways, that's a massive, massive chunk 88% of people who only had one way to sign up to their emails. So, if you've got that in the footer at the bottom of your website, I mean, yes, have it there, but it's not going to be your highest converting sign up form. It's not going to grab people's attention. It's not going to help them to understand in the journey that they're taking on your website, how they can then continue to interact with you because it's kind of Hidden away. So, if you've got, let's say, a, a footer pod, as you suggested, I would definitely suggest having a pop-up. Now, what type exactly, as I explained, depends on the type of page and interaction that that person is or that type of uh, journey is is having. Um, but yeah, absolutely. If you can get a place on your homepage or a place in your navigation menu or in the sidebar or in the middle of blog posts or at the end of blog posts, absolutely maximize these opportunities because not everyone is going to see every opportunity. But that also leads us into exclusions. Now, if you want to get really clever with it, certainly pop-ups, this is relatively easy to do with different pieces of software, but generally in terms of placement on your website, if your IT team can get a little bit clever with it, make sure that you know who's on your email list. And if you can feed that into the information around those sign-up forms, and like you said, add and remove them depending on whether somebody's already signed up to your email, so if they are, Don't show them any sign-up forms. Use that real estate on your website for something else. And if they haven't signed up, then use it to prompt them to do so. So think about how people are using, how they're interacting, and what's going to be a seamless journey for them. Now, by seamless journey, I don't just mean is gonna blend into the background because pop-ups by their very nature, again, this is just one example of a, a type, but usually the highest converting type of email signup that, that we often see with clients. Pop-ups are disruptive. They are meant to be disruptive, but the reason that people don't like them in a lot of cases is because they're badly designed. They come up immediately in your face the second you go onto a website. You haven't even had a chance to look around. You know, Think about that in real life, if you went into a shop and a shop assistant immediately jumped in front of you and said, hey, do you wanna sign up for our emails? You'd probably run back out again, pretty scared. And that's what you're doing with a a pop-up. So that time delayed pop-up that waits a certain amount of time. So have a look at those those bounce times on specific pages because it will change per page. How you can exclude people from seeing it within a certain amount of time. So even if they haven't signed up and they close your pop-up, for example, Exclude them from seeing it again for 30 days or 60 days before it's, before it's shown. So, you've got to think about that journey. You've got to pull together these different pieces. So, think about the type of sign up forms that you want, whether it's a pod somewhere, if it's a pop up, what type of sign up form that you're going to have, or if it's a link to a direct page that's dedicated to email sign ups. Think about any exclusions that you can apply. So, if somebody's on your email list already, for example, whether or not you show those ads to people within a certain amount of time again, and the amount of options that you give people that make sense. I mean, if you have 10 pop-ups coming up and your whole website is covered in email sign-ups, it doesn't make sense. You've still got to have your main purpose of the website, which is to drive people through to conversion. But those that aren't ready for that yet, let's convert them onto your emails so that you can communicate with them on that ongoing basis and drive the conversion that way.
0: And Kate, there you've mentioned a number of different things we can test. So the types of pop-ups, where the, the types of sign-ups, where the pop-ups are, when we deploy them and all the rest of it. But what, what's a reasonable expectation for a percentage of visitors we might get to sign up? Are we talking 1%, 10%, 20%, 50%? What, what's a good number to be, and I know benchmarks are dangerous things, but what's, <laughs> what's a, a rough ballpark for us to be aiming for?
1: Yeah, great question. So, there's a few ways to answer that. The first way is you should always be benchmarking against yourself. So, what's your current sign-up conversion percentage and understand that a lot of people don't understand what that percentage to sign up is for different types of sign-up forms. So, understanding that and benchmarking against yourself and always improving on what you're doing is a really great way to do that. The other Uh, kind of answer to that is, of course, it depends on the type of sign-up form that you've got in place. So, a footer sign-up form, you might see... A 0.5% sign up rate from, whereas all the way at the other end of the extreme, if you're driving PPC ads through to a squeeze page that is just dedicated to getting the email sign up, for example, you might see that at 30, 40, 50%. So, It's going to sit anywhere in between there, depending on the type of email signup form. So it's kind of hard to give you a a specific figure. But I would say for like pop-ups, dedicated pages that are just email signup form, I would expect to see 30% on average, if not more.
0: Nice. Thank you for, for giving us the numbers then. Just in case anyone's wondering what a squeeze page is, that's a page where pretty much the only thing you can do is one thing. So there's no nav, there's no nothing. nowhere else you can go. So it squeezes you through the funnel, just in case you're wondering. Now, um, a big gnarly subject in the world of email pop-ups is, do we offer a discount? Because <laughs> lots of people want that, want to think they have to offer a bribe to get the customers to sign up free delivery or 10% or whatever it might be. Both from the report and from your own experience, do we have
1: to? No, you you absolutely don't have to. And again, there's a couple of ways that I want to approach this question because it's a question that I get a lot. So the first thing is that from the report on the email only sign up, so not including the the account sign ups that included email. of those email-only signups listed the future benefits of subscribing to emails. That was the main hook that they were using to get people in. And that should always be your main hook, even if you do use an incentive as well. So we had just over 8% who offered a percentage off, uh, 5.8% offered a monetary sum off, so a pound or a dollar off your next purchase, and 3.5% offered free postage or shipping so less people are offering those things so there's there's two things here so the first thing is that as i said the benefits of subscribing really needs to be laid out whether you have an incentive or not you need to make sure that the wording on your form whether it's three words or 20 words however much room you've got depending on the type of sign up form that it really details the benefits what are they going to receive what's in it for them? Why should they sign up to you above your competitor? Or why should they be bothered to sign up to you and then actually look at your emails? You've got to tell people what's in it for them So understand what they want. So 81.6% of people were, were doing that. So that's brilliant. If you also want to add an incentive, there are a couple of bits to mention here. An incentive can absolutely help you to increase your conversion rate, but make sure that the incentive is really specific to your business. So I've seen this before with people incentivizing opt-ins and with like competition entries and things like that to drive opt-ins. If you give away something that the world and his wife is going to want, so, you know, a Uh, you know, an Amazon device or a laptop or um, a holiday voucher or whatever it is that general people would want, you may find that you end up with low quality data that isn't what you want in terms of driving business through going forward. So I would always suggest that you have it as something that is directly related to your business. So percentage off, pound off, um, your dollar off, free shipping, free sample, things like that for product-based businesses work really well. Um, we see it more for service-based business where they have the more informational, you know, free download for this or for that. But there's no reason why a product or an e-commerce-based business generally can Make use of that, you've got to understand what your subscribers want. So, could it be that you offer them an exclusive five minute tutorial video with an influencer, for example, and that's you know a recorded video that is then sent out? Is that something that your audience would find really appealing? If it is. There's no reason why you couldn't test offering that versus a discount or any of those other offers. You don't have to give an offer, but it can help to increase your conversion rate. Not only that, it can really help to increase your conversion rate to purchase after the sign up. So think about it this way if somebody's come onto your website, they sign up, and you've offered them 10% off their first purchase they're more likely to go ahead and make a first purchase using that discount code. So it helps to drive your first purchase acquisition strategy as well, but test it. Test what works for you. Test whether or not 20% off versus 10% off works better. You'll be surprised at the results sometimes. Think about what is most appropriate for your audience. And there's one more thing that I want to mention on this that always comes up. I know that the the audience listening to this are across the world Um, thinking about Europe specifically and the UK and uh, the GDPR regulations and whether or not you can actually incentivize an opt-in. You know, this is a question that I'm sure you get asked as well, Chloe. And I've got up on the the screen in front of me the exact wording that is in the ICO guidelines. So, I wanted to um, uh, just kind of mention that to you so everyone can go and find that. Just type in ICO, um, incentivizing consent, and you'll find their guidelines. But basically what they say is that consent needs to be freely given. So somebody has to have a a genuine choice and control over how you use their data. And don't forget GDPR is more than just um, consent for marketing, it's consent for other things and obviously all the other ways of processing the data. But thinking about getting consent and consent for marketing. So Basically, that means that they have to be able to refuse consent without detriment and it's got to be easy for them to withdraw consent at any time. So the first check on that is obviously making sure that you've got your unsubscribe links in in all of your emails and that means that they can unsubscribe at any time. They would lose access to receiving the information that you supply in your emails, of course, and they um, wouldn't receive any any more emails going forward. But in terms of getting them in in the first place, the, the really interesting part of it that I just want to read out to you is this, and this is word for word from the guidance. It may still be possible to incentivize consent to some extent. There will usually be some benefit to consenting to processing. For example, if joining the retailer's loyalty scheme comes with access to money or vouchers, there is clearly some incentive to consent to marketing. The fact that this benefit is available to those who don't sign up is not available to those who don't sign up doesn't amount to a detriment for refusal but you've got to be careful not to cross that line so of course seek legal advice etc etc but what i often say to my clients is make sure that with an incentive your email sign up is the primary point on that form so you know a much better wording than this but it would effectively be saying sign up to receive our emails and you will benefit from XYZ, that's what they're going to get in the emails. And as a bonus for signing up, you'll also get 10% off your first order over £35 or whatever it is. Now, that doesn't mean to say you can't have 10% off your first order as your headline on your sign up form. That's fine. But make sure that the email sign up is that primary purpose, that they can unsubscribe easily. And of course, what that means is that, again, there's no detriment because once they've signed up, and they've received that initial email or gone onto that initial landing page and you deliver that 10% off code, they can unsubscribe and they can still use that code. So again, I think we've got multiple um, points that we could tick to say that consent is still freely given, but you can incentivize it. So please seek legal advice, but that is my opinion <laughs> around <laughs> the incentivization piece. So Hopefully that's helpful.
0: Thank you, Kate. That was really cool. And um, we will add links to that incentivizing consent and that text to the show notes for everybody. So you can go and grab that The show notes. Right now, we are going to pause for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to be talking about the wider world of email marketing. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact lists, send memorable emails, automate key messages, and more. Way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster, and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's klaviy ocom slash masterplan. Okay, Kate. So far, we have gone deep into email list growth. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of email marketing. (laughs) So for the following questions, your answers can be anything to do with email marketing, which of course does still include email list growth. So Kate, you ready for these? I'm ready. Hit me with them. Okay. So let's start with the email marketing newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with email marketing... What do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success?
1: Oh, okay. So I would say know your data understand your data, understand who your audience are, and that will stand you in good stead for multiple different elements of of starting to build out your email strategy. It will stand you in good stead for what data you need to collect on somebody for you to start personalizing your campaigns going forward. It will help you to understand what is the content that your audience wants from you, what they like, what they're going to interact with. So in lots of different ways, understand your audience understand your your data, and that will stand you in good stead moving forward and building out those strategies.
0: Awesome. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimising. So, what's your favourite way to improve email marketing performance?
1: it's of course got to be testing so test 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 again everything that we've talked about with sign up forms can be tested down to the color of the the data input field that you put in that can make a difference to your your conversion rate and within your emails as well everything is an opportunity for testing but i'm going to caveat this because i see a lot of clients who are testing but they're testing on an ad hoc basis they're just testing subject lines and they're perhaps testing just based on i like this one over this one for this campaign we'll see what happens with it a out a winner just for that email and then they go on to the next one and nothing's learned from it so what i really want you to think about is how you can strategically test So the first step to do that is to form a hypothesis. So what do you want to prove or disprove? Be really specific with it. What do you expect to achieve and why? So for example, if you were doing subject line testing and there are Every element of your email is a a testing opportunity. Subject lines I like to do as filler testing in between doing uh, bigger, more significant tests. And of course, if you want to increase your open rates, then subject line is a a great place to go. But let's use this as an example. So um, we think that shorter subject lines under 35 characters will generate a higher open and click rate than longer subject lines over 35 characters because... 35 characters is where mobile devices commonly wrap and 80% of our audience usually open on a mobile device. So we've been really explicit there. So we think that, what do you think will happen? What do you think the specific results will be? What are those KPIs that are going to tell you your success? And why do you think that? What are you basing your hypothesis on in order to have chosen that element? So be really, really specific with it. Once you know your hypothesis, have your plan. If you go on to um, e-focusmarketing.com, go into the free resources, there's a, a free split test planner in there that gives you a layout in terms of planning different kinds of tests and how you use that to feed back into your future strategy, not just for your email marketing, but for your PPC campaigns, your SEO, your social media, you can feed in across all of those. So success with testing is about being strategic. It's about planning and it's about understanding how you can use that on an ongoing basis, not just on a one-off email.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Kate. I love the, the free resource there as well. Um, now, it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance. But the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming. So what for you is the number one email marketing KPI?
1: Okay. Oh, it's a tough question having to narrow it down to one. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a, a little bit of a strange answer. So my, <laughs> my <laughs> answer is generally it's whatever your end result is that you want to achieve. So if you want people to go through and buy your products, if I was only allowed to look at one metric, I would look at my conversion rate from that email and and your email marketing overall. I mean, if you can put in an attribution model that looks at email marketing past just that last touch and into how it fits in holistically, then brilliant. If not, then you've only got the last touch model, then that's a good place to start. But If I was only allowed to look at one, that's what I would look at. If you don't class that as a specific email metric, then within the email, I would look at your open to click rate because it tells you... Unlike click rate, which is of everybody who, you know, got the email, how many people clicked it. This is telling you of those that opened it, how engaged were they? So it tells you how good your content is and can start to lead you into some testing strategies based on that. So there's my little bit of a
0: roundabout answer for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. I'll let you get away with it. I'll let you get away with it this time. Uh, And finally, crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for in email marketing?
1: Okay, so the things that I'm excited about are interactive email and how we further use AI to understand our audience, to produce one-to-one personalized journeys, um, but also to feed into our overall strategy as well, because we will always have some element, um, I think, for the foreseeable future of segmentation and groups um, from that side as well. So yeah, those are the two areas that really excite me because they're both doing what I think is really important and that's being customer centric, understanding what the customer needs. So with the artificial intelligence, it is literally down to your data. What do you know about people and how can you better predict from a basic level to an extremely advanced, detailed level, what they're going to do next. So, I mean, A, B, split testing and running based on a winner, that's machine learning. That's a type of artificial intelligence. So we've got from that stage all the way through to -to one-to-one personalized journeys. It's all about the customer. And then with the interactive email, again, for me, that's really interesting because it's starting to get picked up. So obviously in terms of um, uh, AMP, for example, that was created by Gmail, it's been picked up by Microsoft, Microsoft Hotmail. It's also been picked up by Yahoo. It's coming. And we're starting to see the email service providers uh, start to add that third MIME type that you need in order to do AMP interactive email. And again, if you're interested in that, there's some some resources and podcast episodes on my website that talk more about that. And we've got one coming up soon, actually. So it's about, from, from that side, the interactive email for me isn't because it's fun and sexy and a new thing although it is of course for me it's about understanding how can we adapt how people interact with emails to better serve their needs to help them to get to their end result faster to get better information across to people in a way that they find easy to engage with you know how can we reduce the number of steps that they have to go through to buy a product or give you feedback or whatever that action is that you want to take. So yeah, that's, that's my two that I'm really excited about. And I'm going to be watching over the next six to 12 months to see how they progress from their kind of early adopter stage. Certainly for um, interactive email, I'd say that's still in the early adopter stage. AI obviously is starting to come more into the curve, um, but isn't widely used on a, a big basis. So yeah, those are my two.
0: Excellent. Well, look, Kate, we're nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can get hold of you?
1: Sure. Best place is probably to jump onto the website. So e-focusmarketing.com. Um, you can get in touch with us from there with the free resources. Uh, my, my podcast is on there as well. So definitely go and check that out. I've also got a, a new website called email design which we are continuously adding to. It's a hub for best practice examples of email creatives, sign up forms, preference centers, unsubscribed forms. So it's, it's not long been launched. There's not a massive amount on there yet, but certainly, you know, over time, we're going to build that up. So if you've got any examples that you'd like to send through that you're particularly proud of, if you've seen anything coming to your inbox, please do and jump onto there for inspiration about what you could do as well.
0: Very cool. Well, um, Kate, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast today and for being so generous sharing your expertise with us. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, it's always my pleasure to, to chat to you. Clary, thank you again for inviting me on. Hopefully it's been helpful and we've given the listeners some points that they can look at and what they can focus on. And I'm always here for questions as well.
0: Now, after listening to that, you've got no excuse for not growing your email list lots of ideas to test, and it's clear it's a great way to get ahead of your competition too. Now, you can get the links to everything we discussed, including all of those great resources that came recommended, plus the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z. Uh, Now, please do let me know what you think. And the easiest way to do that is via Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag keepoptimizing. Now, as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all our email marketing specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. This is your chance to get your own questions answered. So get yourself registered for the webinar by going to keepoptimizing.com and there you'll find out all the details. I am super looking forward to getting to connect with you and find out what else you want to know during that webinar. Now, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimising podcast. Make sure you do check out episode five. That's the next one to be released coming out next Wednesday because we put a new episode live every Wednesday. And you want to tune into episode five in particular because in this episode, you've learned how to capture new data. And in that one, we are talking all about the email marketing automations that make you money. So it tells you what you're going to send to people once you've captured that data. I'd also love it if you could tell your fellow marketers about the show, because I do want to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. One of the easiest ways to spread the word is to take part in our launch competition. So kudos to holding out right to the end of this show to find out how you can enter our launch competition, where we are giving away a Keep Optimizing Podcast t-shirt every week of July and August 2020. Now, to begin with a chance of winning, you need to find this show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. So just search Keep Optimising. Subscribe, rate and review the show. That means um, filling in the star rating and then putting in what you think about the show. Then take a screen grab of your review and then share that on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag Keep Optimising. That's K-E-E-P-O-P-T-I-M-I-S-I-N-G. And we're going to gather up all the entries and we'll be picking one winner every Wednesday until the 2nd of September. Full details about the competition and everything else to do with the show are at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z. And I hope I get to send you a t shirt very, very soon. Have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing.
1: Access everything, keep optimizing
0: at KeepOptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.